0: chapter 1, if you'll go ahead and be turning there, James chapter number 1, and I'm going to read verse number 4. as our key verse tonight, but we'll read verse 1 uh, through verse number 4. I do hope you're having a good afternoon, and I hope that you came with a heart ready to receive what God's prepared for us. And I don't know what kind of day you've had. Uh, I don't know what's going on in your heart and your life, but God does, and God always has a way of taking His Word and meeting all the needs. And what an amazing truth it is, that God can take one verse and He can take it and fit it into the voids of hearts that have different needs. And so I'm going to encourage you, go ahead and open up your heart even now. In just a moment, we'll pray and allow the Lord to begin giving you what you need as we go through this uh, passage in James 1 tonight. James chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to read down to verse number 4. The Bible says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. Kind of sounds like the song that we just sang, doesn't it? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I'm going to read verse 4 one more time. The Bible says, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. And there's a lot of meat in there, but let's take the time to open up our hearts to receive what God would have, and let's pray that God would have his will in the service. Father, thank you again for your word. And I pray you'd help us, Lord, this matter tonight that we're gonna look at specifically on patience. Lord, help us to see how it can be our ally in times of adversity. And I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to learn to adopt it and embrace it as difficult as it can be. And I pray that, Lord, through this unique time of testing, that, Lord, we would grow uniquely in ways that, Father, we will glorify you greatly after all is said and done. And I thank you for what you're going to do, and I pray that, Lord, that we would allow you to do it tonight in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, we're going to continue our series, Growing in the Gap. And I think it's been a couple of weeks. Last week we had our family game night, and uh, boy, sure enjoyed that and looking forward to doing it again. We even spoke about doing it again after the quarantine is over, uh, maybe uh, maybe three or four times a year doing that. But it's been a couple of weeks since we looked at this series of Growing in the Gap. And so I want to remind you that the series really revolves around the need for our people to survive difficult stretches of our spiritual life. Uh, Obviously, they're going to come. We've read uh, Jesus himself says, in this world, we will have Tribulation in our lives, and we've got to learn how to survive that. And part of the burden behind the message is how so many of our people never survived these times of struggle in order to go on and see what God was trying to accomplish. Through the struggle, We just, we just sang the song where Job, we read the book of Job, where Job understood that when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as, as gold. So Job was understanding that he had to survive the struggle. He had to survive that gap period, that gap area of his life in order to find out the outcome and to see the payoff that God had provided for him. And I look at oftentimes the struggles, these gaps that we go through, these times of difficulty. They're kind of like the Believer's Bermuda Triangle. Uh, I've never been to the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, I have probably several people who wish I would go visit it from time to time, but I've never been there But it's a kind of an area that you drive through on the boat or fly over and there's been mysterious disappearances And so often struggles and strife and difficulty that gap area is where so many of the people of God go missing And the sad thing is not only did God not intend you to go missing there God intended for you to grow there and so often we set out for God's outcomes. Remember the three O's. In every message in Growing in the gap. there's going to be the three O's. God's outcome. Where God desires we go. That we would come forth as gold. That's the outcome that God is leading us to. <clears throat> and so we set out. We get us a Bible and we're so excited about it and we start finding the promises of God. And we start heading in the direction of God's outcomes. And when the devil sees that immediately he dispatches one of his little demons to go and present an obstacle to us. And some Somewhere between the obstacle and the outcome is where we get lost. We, go, we don't go through the gap. We die in the gap, and we miss out on being what God would have had us to become in that gap. And so this is where the third O, our obedience, comes in. Right now, we're somewhere between the, the obstacle and the outcome, and we've got to be obedient to the will of God. And the, tonight, we're going to look at a tough one. Uh, I mentioned it in my prayer, and a lot of you probably have already turned me off when you heard me mention about speaking on patience tonight, but it's important that we grow in the gap in this area of patience. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I feel like a hypocrite for even preaching on patience because it is something that I have to work on on a daily basis. Just about the time you think you've got it right, somebody's going to go slow in the fast lane, uh, or or something's not going to go right, and you're going to lose what little patience you had. But patience, not only is it a virtue, but patience is an ally in the life of the Christian to help them grow through the obstacle and make it to God's outcome. In James chapter 1, verse number 4 shows us how. So look down, if you will, to verse number 4. The Bible says, but let patience, and we'll come back to that later, okay? So you've got time. Uh, Don't get worried just yet. But let patience have her perfect work. Now, notice these next few words. The Bible says, that ye may be. Those two words, may be, it's speaking of a future tense. Obviously, this is an outcome. We're about to find out the outcome of what God desires we discover and who God desires that we be. In verse number four, he says, so that you may be. This is the goal of where God desires that we grow to, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So first off tonight, let's look at the outcome. The Bible uses three words really that describe the outcome of where God would desire that we grow to. The Bible uses the word "perfect," the word uh, "the word entire," and in the phrase "wanting nothing." Now, when we read those three words together or those phrases together, they almost sound very similar, and they are very similar, but they're very distinct when you begin breaking them apart. And so I want you to stick with me as we look at this outcome tonight and as we, as we dissect those three words in order that we might get to the outcome. First, look at the word perfect. The word perfect, we know very well, means mature or Complete. What it means is that God desires us to continue to grow throughout our Christian life and reach the outcome of a finished product, all right? Understand that tonight. God has a finished product for each and every one of us. God knows exactly who he desires that we be. God, if you will, has a finished picture of who he would desire we be. As we go throughout our entire life, we're slowly becoming that finished product that he desires for us. It's a lot like a puzzle. Uh, my wife and daughter have been putting together puzzles uh, during this time <clears throat> of quarantine, and on the, on the cover of the puzzle box, you have a picture, and that picture is the outcome of what you desire in the box. And so you spend time putting together all of those pictures so that you might reach the finished product of that puzzle. Now, this might scare you to realize tonight, but our life is just not a set of random circumstances, Our Heavenly Father has a divine plan for our life, and that divine plan, according to His Word, will lead us to the finished product that He is expecting of us. This is not optional work. This is what will be required of us when we stand before God, that we be the finished product that God desired that we be. Now, here's the good news. God gives us a plan. That's His Word. God expects us to take his instruction manual and take it and live according to the words of, his, of the book that we might be that finished product, the outcome that he sees for us. Now, let me tell you something right off the bat. Uh, salvation is just the beginning. we have got to understand that when we get saved, you're not like, well, I'm who I need to be. No, that's really just the beginning our, of our journey to become who God desires that we could become. Now, here's what's sad. What's sad is so many Christians tonight, I believe, live their entire life and never get to the place to where they are that finished product that God desired they be. They're incomplete works. And what a sad testimony, I believe, it is of our God that so many Christians are not what God desired they be and what they could be according to the grace and the power of God. I'll give you an example. When we got ready to move down here. I uh, went and moved, uh, cleaned out a lot of the storage buildings that I had collected so many treasures throughout the years we were in Louisiana. And as I went through <clears throat> my in laws, they had a storage room that we went through that I had some things stored in. One of the sad things that I discovered was I had so many unfinished projects stored around the property. I had some in my house, I had some in my mother-in-law and father-in-law's house, Uh, I had some in their shed, and all around I had a lot of projects that I had started, but I had never finished it. And I thought, what a sad testimony that is about me, that I have so many things that I've started but are, are not completed, and it was a poor reflection upon me. I don't want you to understand tonight to have so many people who name the name of Christ, who call themselves Christians, who call themselves born again, and say their names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. What a sad testament and reflection is upon our God that so many of us never reach or even come close to reaching our full potential as the people of God, and we never come to reaching that full finished product that God desire we be. Not only is it a sad testimony, but you think about how unuseful Unfinished projects are. I mean, not only is it a poor reflection upon God, but I remember years ago, one of the things that I had to move, or actually I haven't even moved it yet, it's still in my in law storage shed. And uh, it was my first Christmas that me and Leslie were married, <clears throat> or second Christmas, second Christmas. And I decided I was going to make her a rocking chair and a very adventurous but I said I can do it because I watched a YouTube video and I was going to build a rocking chair and so I started working started working and I got most of the chair built and most of the glider system built uh, but it was connecting the two that I had problems with and we got ready to move down here from Monroe and there in her mom and dad storage area was that rocking chair that I started building for Leslie but never finished it now it it looks quite impressive but it's not very useful she hasn't done the first bit of rocking in that chair at all. And she, she's looked at it and she's enjoyed looking at it, but man, she really would have enjoyed getting to use that chair. But it's not useful because why? Because I didn't finish it. And how many Christians today, we are nowhere near as useful as we could be because we have yet to become that finished finished product that God desired we be because we're living our lives for ourselves rather than the purpose for which God left us here to be. So watch closely at the outcome. Number one, it's a finished product. Number two, the Bible uses the word entire. It uses the word entire. Now the word entire describes what the finished product should look like. You look it up, it means containing all of something. Containing all of something. So not only am I to be a finished product, that's the outcome God desires for my life. There's a finished product. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course. The Apostle Paul knew, hey, he was who God desired that he be. He says, I'm free from the blood of all men. Paul had fulfilled the will of God. He was the finished product. But notice what the finished product looks like. It is a product that is found pure. It's a finished product that is found pure. Let me explain that to you. Uh, Every once in a while, i get a wild hair that I want to lose weight. And uh, so instead of drinking Cokes, instead of drinking uh, a lot of sugary drinks, I will decide I'm going to drink juice. And I discovered something when you're shopping for juice that you will find there's just a whole aisle there at Walmart of juices. But uh, I was buying this juice, and it tasted really good. And my wife says, I want you to notice something. When you look at this juice, it's only 20% juice. That means it's 80% something else. I'm not exactly sure what all the something else's are, but it's not 100% pure, all right? It's just 20%. So I had to learn how to shop for 100% pure juice. So not only is there a finished product that God desires that I become, that's the outcome, but God desires that finished product to be found pure or entire, God wants us, as we live this life, to become purified to be who he expects us to be. And our entire life process is going from who we were once we got saved to being purified to the product that God desires that we be. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4 that it's the will of God, even our sanctification. Our entire life, after we get saved, is the process of sanctification. What does that mean? It means being purified and set aside for the service of God. That I get saved, I'm not exactly what I need to be, but I spend the rest of my life, as Second Timothy talks about, being purged, being cleansed, becoming pure, that I might reach the outcome and be found pure at the end of my life. So the outcome, number one, real quickly, it's a finished product. Number two, it's one that is found pure. And then look at the end of verse number four. The Bible says wanting nothing. Wanting nothing. This means left nothing undone. Left nothing undone. Now you've got to see these three things in order to understand how patience works into all this. So the third thing under our outcome is a fulfilled plan. The outcome is this, that I be a finished product, that I be found pure, And that I fulfill the plan for which God left me here, that I have left nothing undone. That's what the Bible means when wanting nothing means lacking nothing. It's a lot like when my wife will send me to the grocery store. And I've told you that after this quarantine is over, she'll never send me to the grocery store again because I'm finding all kinds of stuff that she did not even know that we needed. Uh, I'm finding things on sale, things on clearance. Now, the other day I went to Walmart. I think Walmart has learned that people look for the yellow clearance stickers and they're attracted to those. I know that I am. I'm attracted to those. And I came home with all kind of clearance salads for her, chicken salads. I came home with clearance noodles. I draw the line at clearance sushi. Uh, <clears throat> I pass by some, and I like the crab and the cream cheese. But I just draw the line on clearance sushi. Even I have borders and limits of my thriftiness. But I come home with all of these things. But here's, here's something you got to understand. Oftentimes, I will come home with all of these extra things and forget some of the things that I was supposed to get. There's a list that I am to fulfill. I saw someone put on Facebook yesterday, and I loved it. It was a grocery list for husbands. And instead of having words, it was pictures. I mean, how helpful is that, Brother Michael? We have pictures, maybe put on our phones where we can swipe through and see all of that stuff because how do you know? Eight ounces, 16 ounces of cheese? Is it sharp cheddar? Is it Wisconsin? I mean, how do we know which one it is? So pictures help out. There's a list to fulfill. So watch this. The outcome for which God desires of us and that God requires of us is that we be a finished product. Notice that, perfect. That we be found pure, all right, entire, in that we be wanting nothing or fulfilled his plan. This is why the apostle Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. Paul says, I've got something to fulfill. And God's outcome and desire and requirement for me is that I be a finished product, found pure, and fulfill his plan. So there's the outcome. And now the tough part, how do we get there? That's a lifelong process. I mean, how do we get to the place where I'm the finished product? That's a lifelong process. How do we get to the place where I'm found pure, where I have been sanctified and meet for the master's use? How do I get to that place? How do I get to the place where I have fulfilled God's plan, where I'm lacking nothing, I've left nothing behind? Well, now enters verse 4 where the Bible says, notice closely, follow along with me, but let patience have her perfect work. But let patience have her perfect work. So we see the outcome. That's what God desires of us. But what's the obstacle? What stands in our way of becoming that finished product? What stands in our way of becoming found pure? What stands in our way of fulfilling God's plan? What is it that gets in our way that keeps us from reaching the outcome of what God desires for us in verse number four? Well, the obstacle is patience. It's patience. The Bible says, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be. Notice the Bible says, it's through patience that we become that finished product. It's through patience that we be found pure. It's through patience that we fulfill his plan. Now, let me tell you something. This is who God gives us to assist in the process of reaching the outcome. I'm sure we're going to watch our uh, our people that tuned in, and there's going to be this drastic drop-off right about now. Because we're talking about the necessity of patience. No one, listen, do not pray for patience. i want to tell you that. Because if you pray for patience, God's going to send you someone that goes slow in the fast lane. But we've got to have patience. There's no way. The Bible says that ye may be, that I may be fulfilled God's plan, that I might be the finished product, that I might be found pure. How do I get there? The Bible says by letting patience have her perfect work. I've given you many definitions before of what patience is. Uh, My favorite definition is Hebrews 12, where the Bible says to run our race with patience means busily abiding. Patience is not just sitting on our laurels waiting for something to happen. No, we're staying busy. We're staying steadfast in the will of God as we work toward becoming what God would have us to be. But tonight I want to give you another definition to remember about patience. The Bible says to let patience have her perfect work. I want you to think of it this way, enduring the education. Patience is enduring the education. When you look up the word patience at the root of it, it means suffering or endurance. That's what the meaning of the word patience means, suffering or endurance. So in order for me, watch how this works together. In order for me to become the finished product, the perfect, in order for me to be found pure or entire. In order for me to fulfill God's plan where nothing is lacking, I must go that direction by way of patience. I'm going to tell you something. Oftentimes, this is where we take the fork in the road. There's no way we will become who that God requires of us. There's no way that we will reach God's outcomes without first going through the obstacle of patience. There's just no way around it. I read a wonderful story this week, and uh, as, as I begin to look it up, I begin to realize it's a widely known story, but unfortunately, it's one that I have never heard or I don't remember reading about, and it's the story of Chinese bamboo. Uh, I don't know if anybody in here tonight has ever read or heard the story of Chinese bamboo, but in many impoverished areas of China... Uh, people get by just by growing their own crops and just live literally day to day and week to week. There is no long-term future of hope um, because of the economy in certain areas, very impoverished. And in order for you to get ahead and have a, a future uh, that is fruitful and more of a secure future for your family and for the generations, you've got to find something to invest in that's going to have long-term dividends. One of the things that they, they like to use is it's called Chinese bamboo. Chinese bamboo is something that can be very profitable because there's many uses for it in China, and it's something that grows very fast, and it's something that produces a lot of harvest over time. It continually replenishes, and it's something where you can have a continual income and financial security for generations to come if you plant a bamboo grove. But growing bamboo, as I learned in reading this week, requires a lot of patience, a lot of patience. Here's what happens. The farmer decides that he wants to not only just live from day to day, but he wants to reach a place of security. He wants that not only he have security in his life, but for his children and his grandchildren and for years to come. And so he begins planning for the eventual outcome. He desires that there be fruitfulness. And here's what he must do. He takes the bamboo seeds. He goes up on the side of the hill and one by one, he begins to plant the bamboo seeds in the ground. On a daily basis, he goes down, he draws water up with his pail, walks up the hill, and he waters each spot where he put a seed down. Day after day after day, he walks up the hill, and he pours the water out on the bamboo seeds. One year passes. There's nothing broke the ground People begin to talk and people begin to wonder, and perhaps he even begins to doubt himself whether the seeds are going to germinate, they're going to grow. And yet he remains steadfast, he remains faithful in his doing, and keeps watering those spots where the bamboo seeds are. Two years pass. Nothing has yet broke the ground. And yet he continually goes down to the bottom of the hill, draws the water, walks up to the hillside, and waters the spots where those seeds are at. Three years pass. Nothing's broke the ground. I'm sure by now he begins to doubt and begin to wonder whether he'll ever reach the outcome of the security that he desires, not only for himself, but for the future generations of his family. Four years pass. Five years pass. Finally, on the fifth year, after watering those spots, fatefully, day in, day out, drawing water, water those spots, water those spots. For five years, nothing has broke the ground. The bamboo has never shown any sign of life. And finally, after five years, the Chinese bamboo breaks the ground. They call it the miracle. Because for five years, they have watered those spots of ground, been faithful and steadfast in their duty to draw the water, go up on the hill, and water those spots with nothing, no sign of fruitfulness whatsoever. And finally, after five years, the Chinese bamboo begins to sprout out of the ground. And for five years, there was no fruit, and there was no evidence, but they remained steadfast. Why? They had an outcome in mind of what they desired. They remained patient, steadfast, regardless of how discouraging and difficult it may have been, and here's what's wonderful. This is why they call it the miracle. For five years, there's nothing to see. But in the next five weeks, after it breaks the ground, the Chinese bamboo will grow over 90 feet. 90 feet tall. That's higher than the building, the roof of our building, 90 feet in just five weeks. And then constantly it replenishes itself. And now there's a wonderful bamboo grove there that will supply not only his family for generations, but his next family and all the way down the line. Why? Because someone was willing to be patient and steadfast in their labor regardless of the difficulty. Now, folks, I want to tell you something tonight. The reason we do not have spiritual bamboo groves for the generations that will come behind us is because so often we are not willing to put in the patience. We water the seed on day one, we come to one church service, and all of a sudden we do not get the warm, fuzzy feeling we thought we were going to get, and we quit on God. And our children continue to live in spiritual poverty because we did not have the spiritual guts to live out the difficulty that patience demands in order for us to reach the outcome. And therefore, once again, God's people get stifled because of the obstacle of patience. And that's why we have nothing for our children. That's why we're not going to see the generations come behind us that have a spiritual heritage. They're not going to see a spiritual heritage of young people that stand for the Lord. I mean, God forbid one day this church should close its doors. Why? Because so often when we have the opportunity to plant something, we do not. Why? Because of patience. We don't have patience. We live in a culture of convenience. I want to tell you this. Listen, convenience is the arch enemy of patience. Patience. Look, I, I enjoy convenience, I really do. Uh, I enjoy driving through and getting the food that I want to get, and I enjoy the convenience of, I mean, I, I was trying to tell my daughter the other day, when we wanted to watch a new movie when I was a kid, we had to go to the movie store, and they had a 3 by 5 card behind the desk, and say we wanted to watch uh, a new cartoon that was coming out, we had to reserve that on the 3x5 card. And then we had to wait for the movie store to call us and to tell us uh, when the movie was our turn to watch it. And then we had to drive to town, pay the lady 3 or $4, borrow the movie for only 24 hours. And if you were late or you brought it back and it wasn't rewound, uh, well, she hasn't understood anything about that, Uh, then we got fined for it. And now we just sit on our couch, we have a remote control, and we can watch any Disney movie uh, since the inception of Disney. I mean, convenience, we live in a convenient culture, and sometimes convenience is a good thing. But in the life of the people of God, convenience is the enemy of patience. Now what we like is we like we get to a place of difficulty, and that's just not convenient for us. And so here's what we do. Here's what we do. We trade long-term security for short-term satisfaction, all right? We decide rather than be patient and go through the difficulty and water the seeds so that we might have something in the future, we decide, you know what? I want short-term convenience, and I want the short-term luxury, Oftentimes, it will offer us immediate satisfaction, but what's the cost? What's the cost? The cost is long-term security. I think a lot of you are like me. You keep up with politics, and we're watching how this virus has really brought out some interesting character traits in people. Now, we're watching people who are borderline and some even willing to trade The liberties, long-term liberties that we hold dear in this country for just a short time satisfaction of get me out of this inconvenience. I'll tell you something tonight, I know people are are sick and I know people are dying and that's very tragic, but truly for the majority of us that are watching tonight, this virus has created an inconvenience. He really has. When you compare uh, other Christians, generations of Christians and people that are in our heritage who've gone through such great persecution, really what we're going through right now is just an inconvenience. And yet there's so many Americans tonight that are willing to trade long-term liberty for short-term convenience. Boy, I'm sure right now we're like, yep, that's right. We're probably getting a few thumbs up right now on the live stream. But can I tell you something? Wait a minute. Before you thumbs up that, this is exactly what we do Spiritually. We come to a place of difficulty that's going to demand patience. Going to demand patience. It's going to demand steadfast endurance. What do we say patience was? Enduring the education. There's no way we're going to become the finished product. We're going to be found pure and fulfill the plan without patience. What does the Bible say? Read verse 4. Let patience have her perfect work that ye may be. You'll never be those three things without patience. And yet we get to this place, we have a little bit of difficulty, and we sell out a spiritual future for not only our families but our children. Why? Because we want short-term convenience. We're doing the same thing that's happening in America, but on a spiritual level. We see this in the life of Eve. Think about the future Eve had coming. Eternal. I mean, no sin, no poison ivy, no tornadoes. I mean, a wonderful, wonderful future waiting for her. Wonderful outcome. But all of a sudden, here comes the devil, and the devil offers her a short-term convenience. A short-term satisfaction. What does she do? She cashed out. She cashed out, rather than decide, I want to have the outcome, the long-term, what God desires for me. No, she cashed out for a short-term satisfaction. The same thing with Peter. I mean, here comes Peter. Christ has been arrested. And here comes the lady. Weren't you with him? And Peter says, oh, no, no. You see, at that moment, it was inconvenient to be named with Christ. And so Peter decided, instead of going through that difficulty and enduring, you know what, I'm just going to cash out and say, nope, I wasn't. What did he do? He opted for satisfaction rather than endure the education and the opportunity to stand for Christ, and we do the same thing. And yet we see in the Scriptures there are some. I could not help but think of Abraham. You think about Abraham, when God told Abraham, will don't you take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. Now what is God doing? God is not trying to figure out what Abraham's going to do. God knew what Abraham was going to do. This is all about the education of Abraham. God's fixing to teach Abraham something that Abraham did not even know that he needed to know. When God told him, I want you to take your son and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah, I want you to think about this thought, that every minute after God told him that, every minute he had to endure the thought of sacrificing his son. To be obedient to God. Do you know what it required between the time God told Abraham to take his son and sacrifice him and the time that God provided the ram up on Mount Moriah? Do you know what it required between there and there? It was patience. He had to endure the education. God had something he wanted Abraham to know, God had something he wanted Abraham to learn. But Abraham was going to have to have patience that he may be. You see, God had an outcome in mind. But Abraham's going to have to get over this obstacle. And what an obstacle it was to be patient with God, to endure the education. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I get get nervous when I get shots. I'm fine. I'm sitting there acting all macho in the doctor's office until they walk in. And they walk in and you're trying to size up the needle and how big it is. It looks like a piece of PVC pipe with a caulking tube on the end of it. And, boy, my heart begins to race, and I try to look away from it and not think about it, you know. I'm trying to act cool for my wife who's in there that she married a real man who's not afraid of needles. And, boy, the closer she gets, the closer she gets, the more my heart begins to race. And, oh, oh, oh I'm trying to act tough, but uh, really the guy on the inside is, is scared to death. I'm having to endure that. Can you imagine what Abraham felt like? Every step he got closer to Mount Moriah. He's enduring the education of what God wants him to learn He's having to be patient. And oh, did Abraham learn something? Oh, did Abraham learn something? Did a- Do you ever think, listen, did Abraham doubted that God would provide Jehovah Jireh? That's what he learned upon Mount Moriah is that God would provide. He learned it in a way that you'd never forget it. But he had to endure the education. And I wonder what lessons, what outcomes God desires of us. But because it requires patience, enduring the education, we cash out for momentary satisfaction. I wonder what we're missing out on. What are we missing out on because we're not willing to be patient to endure the education that we might reach the outcome? What are we missing out on? I think we're missing out on. We're missing out on getting to know God the way Abraham got to know God. I mean, he found out that God provides. What did he say on the way up the mountain? He told Isaac, God will provide himself. God will provide. But buddy, he learned it in a way that he had never learned it before. But he had to be patient. He had to endure the education. This past week, we went down to the camp. And boy, uh, well, was just 20-something acres, chewed up. And I appreciate all those who have been praying for mom and dad. They're doing fine. Uh, and I appreciate those who went down and worked. It's, it's a grueling job down there. And uh, we're walking through the woods. And the area where my wife and I... Uh, we're going to build our house years ago. Is the area that got hit. I'm so thankful. You can look long term providence of God. If our house was there, our house would be gone today. And but I remember when when I was 18, 19 years old, I began praying for a wife, and uh, just asking God, "You send her to me," and waiting on God and. 18, 19, 20, it didn't happen. 21, it didn't happen. And I'm thinking, good night, you know, what's wrong with me? Why won't God send me a wife? And I'm having to learn something through this. I had buddies that were getting married and having kids. I couldn't understand, God, why aren't you providing a wife for me? I says, well, maybe the God's not providing me a wife because I don't have a place to put her. You know, that's kind of important that you have a place to put her. And I said, Well, here's what I'm going to do I'm going to go clear some trees out and I'm going to start building a house. You know, that's what Jesus is doing for his bride. You know, he's the one preparing a place and he's going to come back and take her back. I thought, Hey, what a great idea. And so I cut down some trees, ran water lines, and started buying building material. And I was going to uh, pour a footer, lay a chain wall, fill it with dirt, pour a slab on top of it, just to have a little elevated slab, some steps going up to our house. And as I was walking through the woods at the camp the other day, I stumbled across. A pile of blocks. I'm going to show you a picture of it. I took a picture of it. And this is the pile of blocks that that I used to use as an altar. This was my altar. Back in 2001, I bought those blocks and I put them there. And that's where the altar where I would go and I would pray for a wife. that was my altar. It really was. I want to bring those blocks home one day, put them in the Andrews Ministry Museum one day. We'll do that. But that was where I prayed for my wife. And I don't know how many times, that was 2001. I didn't get married until 2005. And so there were four long years of fervent prayers at those blocks in the woods where the tornado just hit. And I remember crying out to God and just telling God, God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand why you're not sending me a wife. All my buddies are getting married. I'm in the ministry. I'm trying to do right. And I just don't understand. And for four long years, that was my altar. That was the place that I would go pray and I would talk to God and I would ask God to work on my behalf. And oh, you know what I learned through that? I learned that oftentimes the will of God has to be patiently endured, patiently endured. You know the story. I'm not going to tell it over again. The boy how God brought me my wife, you know, he brought her, delivered her to me in the helicopter. You know the story and all of that. Here's what I want you to understand, the outcome, the outcome was so worth getting over the obstacle of patience. I mean, I think about what my wife means to me and what my wife means to our ministry and how much of a blessing she is to me. I mean, so often, a lot of the good ideas I get credit for, they're really hers. I mean, she's the one who gave me the good ideas, and uh, now sometimes she even writes my outlines for me. No, not really. Uh, but she's an encourager to me. I mean, she is my help in ministry. Oh, what a wonderful outcome that was worth the obstacle of patience. But I had to be willing to endure the education. And although at the time it was not enjoyable, now I look back and it was so, so worth it. I found it interesting this afternoon when I was reading 2 Peter. Turn there with me, if you will, right quick. I want to show you this. I want you to see this for yourself. 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, we read the wonderful grocery list of graces that we are allowed and we get to have in our life after we get saved Second Peter chapter 1, look down, if you will, to verse number 5. The Bible says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, here's the building material that produces the finished product. Here's the list. Here's the grocery list. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and the virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. And to temperance what? Everybody say it at your TV. Patience. Patience. And to patience, godliness. Now, here's something that jumped out to me today I've never really thought about before. But notice that patience comes before godliness. You see, godliness is God-likeness or Christ-likeness, and that's the will of God for our life. That's the finished product. That's being found pure. That's fulfilling the plan. It's godliness, godlikeness. That's the outcome. But notice before the outcome, what is the obstacle in the way to godliness? It's patience. It's patience. We have to be willing to endure the education to become more like our Father. Boy, I was reading this today. Uh, boy, it just touched my heart. almost brought tears to my eyes when I thought about the Apostle Paul and all that he went through. I mean, boy, Paul went through an education. And oh, Paul, how, 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 patience he, how patient he had to be and how he had to endure. In Galatians chapter 6, I want you to listen to what Paul said. Verse 17, Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Paul says, I have the marks of endurance. Paul says, I paid a price. that patience had to be endured. The education to become like the Lord Jesus, see the outcome that's there. Paul says, I, I bear in my body. Paul says, I bear the marks, the patience that was required, the education that had to be endured left a mark on my life. But Paul says that the marks of the Lord Jesus, Paul says, in his life, you can see bearing the marks of what Christ went through for us. You see, that patience translated into the outcome of becoming more like his Savior. I'm gonna give you this before I give you the last thing. I thought this was, was wonderful. I love words, you know that. I really didn't like English in school. But as I get older, I love words. And I love looking at what words mean. And we have such a limited vocabulary. So it's fun to see where words came from. I love etymology, looking at where words came from. And you look up the word patience. Oh, my goodness. There's a root word in the word patience, P-A-T-I, pati, pati. And what's interesting about that word, P-A-T-I, it means endure or suffer. Now, in our camp, There used to be a city there years ago, a logging town. And as you're out there, if you'll disc up the field and uh, maybe go out where some of the old outbuildings were, they're all gone now. It's a logging town. You'll find commissary money. Do we have a picture of that, guys? Picture some coins. You'll find these commissary coins. There's some pictures of them right there. And they have good for $1 in merchandise. My wife got a metal detector at Dirt Chief one time and just found a whole bunch of them out there in the field. But these are the commissary coins that you find out there. And some say Geneva Lumber Company, Carson, Mississippi, 50 cents uh, or a dollar. and You would use that commissary money to go buy things at at uh, the old company store. And so here's what I want you to think about. As you find these coins, you want to clean them up. You want to polish them up. In the first picture, you'll see some that we polished up. And we took them to someone who knows a lot about coins. We were asking about them. Here's what he said. He says, you don't need to clean them up because they lose their value. He says, what gives them their value, now listen to this. I love when you stumble across something good. He says, what gives them their value is their Patina. Now, notice the first four letters of the word patina. Patina is that greenish look on the outside. Patina is that, that, uh, that wear that you see on the outside. He says, when you rub off the patina and you polish it up, you take away its value. The patina is what gives its its value. You see, that's that same root as the word patience, patina, pati. Here's what I want you to understand. Paul says, I bear in my body the marks. Paul had the patina of Christ. That's why Paul was so valuable to God. What is patina? It's the evidence of endurance. Paul says, I have the evidence of endurance in my life. Paul had that Christian patina in his life that he had endured the education to become more like Christ. And that's why he was so valuable. Oh, did Paul have a patina? Paul bore in his body the marks, the evidence of the endurance to become more like Jesus. Now, Think about this, and I'll give you the last point. I wonder if that's why we're of so little value to the cause of Christ today. We have no patina. We have no patina. We have no evidence of endurance. We've not been willing to go through the fire. We've not been willing to go through the education and endure the education to become more like Christ. And our life does not bear the marks of the Lord Jesus. Our life has no evidence of the endurance of patience to become the finished product of someone who's like God or like Christ. Oh, how much value there is in a person of God who goes through the trial, endures the education, and bears the patina who bears the evidence of their endurance to be more like Christ. So number two, the obstacle is patience. The outcome is the finished product, to be found pure, and to fulfill the plan. That's the outcome. What's the obstacle? Patience. There's no getting around it. There is no getting around patience. There's no way you're going to get there without first enduring the education through patience. You say, well, how do we do that? Look back at verse 4, and you'll see something I mentioned this week in our Bible study, one of our Bible studies together. The Bible says, but let patience have her perfect work. So patience is the vehicle by which we reach the finished product. But Notice the Bible says, but, and what's that second word? We looked at it this week in devotion. It's the word let. See the obedience. Remember? Somewhere between the obstacle and the outcome, we've got to decide to be obedient. This is the gap, the obstacle, and the outcome. The gap. Our obedience revolves around that word "let." I told you this week in devotion time. The word "let" means to allow to come to pass. To allow to come to pass. If the Lord ever allow me, I'd love to preach a series of messages on the lets in the Bible. I think it'd be a beautiful, beautiful study. The Bible tells us in Matthew to let your light shine. What He's telling us: allow it to come to pass. Allow it. John 14, we looked at devotions this week. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Don't allow trouble to come to pass in your heart. Don't allow it. Don't let it. Now, what's the Bible telling us here in verse 4? But let patience have her perfect work. What does that mean? what he's telling us is we have to allow patience to have her perfect work we cannot bail out on patience we cannot say this is too tough this is too difficult it's costing me too much i want momentary satisfaction of convenience no we have to allow patience to have her perfect work in our life that's obedience that god this does not feel good Imagine Job, the song we sang just a moment ago. Job says, when he has tried me, I'm going to tell you this, trying does not feel good. It's hot. Trying will make you want to jump out of the fire and over here where it's not so hot. But the Bible says you have to let patience, to allow patience to have her perfect work. And let me give you a wonderful example. I mentioned earlier this week that so often as we travel the difficult road, the devil sits on our shoulder and whispers in our ear that God's abandoned us and God does not know what we're going through. But Remember, Christ was in all points tempted as you and I are. That means there's no difficult time of temptation that we will go through that Christ has not already gone first. We understand that. And we know that because of this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Jot this down. I'm going to read it for you for the sake of time. The Bible says about Christ that he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Notice the word obedience. We know, listen, we know what Christ had to endure to fulfill the plan. We know what Christ had to go through. Just go back and read in the Gospels about the scourging, the crucifixion. We just read it at Easter time. We know what he had to go through, and yet he endured that, and the Bible says he became obedient unto death, even the death of his cross. What was he willing to do? He was willing to let, to allow himself to go through what he needed to in order to reach the outcome, and that's why we're saved. Why he didn't bail out. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he didn't bail out? Aren't you glad when they pulled out the cat of nine tails? As Christ looked over at it and his heart began to race, he didn't say, "You know what? No, 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 no. I don't want to go through that." And he, ba- listen, we'd be all be on our way to hell today. But he didn't bail out. He was obedient unto death, all the way to the end of the outcome, to fulfill the Father's plan. He said, "Well, I don't have patience." Well, that's understandable. That's why Peter says, "Add to your faith, patience." add to it. That means, look, if you don't have it, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that I have the gift of patience. What's well, up to me to add to my faith patience and let it have its perfect work in my life. Does it feel good? No. That's why the root word of patience is enduring in suffering. That's what I mean. You're going to, look, patience is going to leave its marks on you. It's going to leave a mark. Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. What happened? Paul had that Christian patina The evidence of what he endured to reach the outcome which God demanded of him. And oh, how the Apostle Paul left a wonderful, wonderful example for us. And we could be that same example to others who come behind us. But we're not going to do it without patience. That's the obedience. That's in the gap. We've got to grow in patience in the gap. We've got to go through this fire, go through this difficulty, and be who God would have us to be in the outcome. I'll give you this, and I'm going to be done. We grew up, my daughter grew up her first few years of her life. We lived in Jeff Davis County, and my dad has a sawmill there. And uh, she would go up and help pop at the sawmill. And I don't know how many times she would end up coming home with a splinter in her finger. And um, she'd probably be, I don't know, what, four, five years old. And she'd come to us, and she'd talk about how bad it hurt, and she'd hold it up, and we would see it there. And we'd break out the tweezers, and then here she goes. (laughs) She's gone. She just disappeared. And she would say, It hurts, and she'd whine, and it's starting to swell up a little bit. Say, Miley, you gotta let me get that. He said, No, 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 no. And she just would not let us get it. And finally, Leslie had to put her in the headlock. I had to sweep her legs out from under and finally get to the place to pull the splinter out. She had to let us. She had to allow. She said, Well, that's going to be painful. And yeah, it, it was painful pulling a splinter out of your finger, but it was for her good. She was going to love the outcome. But she had to, listen, she had to be obedient to the ones who were trying to help get her there. And patience, listen, it's going to hurt sometimes. It's going to leave a mark sometimes. But boy, are we going to love the outcome. When we're what? When we're the finished product. When we're perfect. When we've reached the place where we are fulfilling the plan, we're wanting nothing. Where we're entire, we are found pure. Oh, what it's going to mean to us. Boy, the trump of God, I had somebody call me just last night. Ask me about the rapture. You think the Lord's coming back soon? I said, my goodness, I don't know, I don't know that I've ever seen so many things that point to that. What, listen, wouldn't it be awesome if the trumpet of God were to sound tonight and you know that, boy, you've been enduring and you're becoming that finished product, you're being found pure and you're fulfilling the plan all because you grew in the gap. You didn't shrink away from it. You didn't seek momentary satisfaction. You wanted something more long-term and lasting. The Bible tells us this and I'm done. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 4. The Bible says but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience. This is where we prove who we are and who our God is. And let's allow that through our patience. Let's endure the education. It's tough. It's going to leave a mark, but it's one that's going to identify us with Christ and that's what our world needs to see right now. So tonight let's grow in the gap. Let's grow in patience. Let's be obedient and let patience have its perfect work in our life that we might be more like our Father and a witness to this world. Let's have our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed.